we all set goals for ourselves sometimes that we don't hit, right? We all have things we want to do. We want to learn how to code. We want to make a YouTube channel. We want to blah, blah, blah. We're all ambitious. I think most of us are ambitious people, right? But it's so important to like do less things and set goals for those things and be able to trust yourself that you're going to hit those goals and make those goals achievable at first. And just the important part is consistency and momentum rather than trying to hit some audacious goal that is going to scare you off from starting in the first place. It's like baby steps, you know? Welcome to Polycast. I'm your host, Davey, and on this show, I explore the lives of Cal Poly students, faculty, and alumni who share their stories and experiences. Please enjoy. You just heard from Jimmy Kang, who has lived by the Learn By Doing motto well beyond his time at Cal Poly. From teaching himself how to code and learning how to produce his own music, he's even started his own podcast. Jimmy's a prime example of taking new skills and turning them into side hustles. He tells us all about them on this episode, so please welcome Jimmy here on Polycast. All right, welcome Jimmy. Thank you again for joining me here on Polycast. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Definitely. So you... Growing up as a kid, had this fascination for tech, and it kind of went through your whole life. And you go to college as business administration, but still kind of have that fascination for the whole kind of tech industry of things and decided to learn some coding on your own. And then now you found the perfect balance as a project manager. So to begin, let's kind of go back to that fascination as a kid. What really caught your eye in that whole tech industry? I don't know what it is that caught my eye specifically. I just knew I was always really naturally fascinated. I always gravitated towards technology. Like, I think even as a as a 9, 10, 11 year old, um, I was always just reading articles or on YouTube watching like CNET camera reviews or uh, reviews of Game Boys or phones, like early days of phones. And it was just interesting to me, like, it's still, it still is amazing to me, um, you know, like how cell phones work and how devices work and how it's a, a combination of hardware and software and that somebody actually makes that, you know, that doesn't just show yeah. up. And so I think, yeah, a lot of people kind of just take that for granted, right? Where it's like, okay, these devices, they just work. Someone makes them um, and I get to use them and that's great. But I always wanted to be involved with making, making the things that we, we love to use. And, mm-hmm. so, and was there a particular device, like, was it a Game Boy or was it one of the first iPhones that came out that really kind of gra- gravitated towards? I mean, one one device that I really loved was the Motorola Razr. That was one phone that I really loved. Um, early flip phone, really popular. Everyone, everyone, yeah. a lot of, maybe, <laughs> maybe not your age, but a couple of years later, that was the phone to have, right? I mean, you probably remember it. I think it's making a comeback even now. Um, but it's like this flip phone, this slim flip phone, and it was just really beautiful. Um, and so I remember, I remember getting one of those and yeah, just fell in love with it. And, um, everyone kind of had it. It was, it was, I think it was the first phone that was sort of a fashion accessory. Like the iPhone is very much a fashion accessory as, as much as it is a, uh, a cell phone. Right. So it's, it was a really beautiful device. And so I think I love the aesthetic and art piece of technology. Uh, as well as the the functional side. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But you didn't end up 
going kind of the tech route when you went to Cal Poly. Tell me how you got involved with the business side of things. Yeah, I think I wanted to do, I thought I wanted to do engineering. Um, and so when I got into Cal Poly, I just applied for business and then getting in, I was thinking about switching over to, to CompSci. Um, and I ended up studying information systems. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think I learned... I learned certain things from from going to school, but I think I wanted to be like more technical than the business school was was teaching me. So I had to go find these other channels to kind of learn about, okay, what are the jobs in the technology field? What could I do? How could I learn some of these skills that I'm not learning in my classes uh, to just augment that that experience so I could go into the tech field and and be be ready, be attractive to different companies that are hiring. Um, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And information systems, was that, did that have a little bit of tech in it or was what, what? a little bit, it was pitched as being, I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's pitched as being like one of the more technical things in, in, in the business school. And I mean, you write some basic SQL, um, you learn, you learn about databases, you learn about data flow diagrams, things like that. And there's some really good, uh, professors there. Barry, Barry Floyd was one of the professors I had it was really great. Um, and yeah, but it's like, it's not to the level of being able to build a software product. I think a lot of there's, a, I see a lot of inf Cal Poly information systems graduates up here that become software engineers, but they learned that on their own. They didn't learn that um, from, from their degree. Um, they learned that like on their own time or they, you know, went to go get a master's degree, however they did it. Um, and you but, kind of yeah. fell into that group as well a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an important, important lesson for others is, is, I think follow your natural curiosities, like follow your hunches and, um, you know, um, I, th yeah. So for me, I was like qu pretty quickly realized I was like, okay, I'm not getting technical enough to where I could like really feel comfortable. That I can go get a job in technology. Like I go to career fairs and there, everyone's just hiring software engineers. You know, you've been there, right. Where it's like everyone's hiring mechanical or software or whatever. Right. And it's like all the jobs that were interesting to me, none of the people at the career fair wanted to talk to me. And mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So I went to, I signed up for coding bootcamp in San Francisco and iOS development bootcamp and learned how to learn how to uh, program in Swift, which is Apple's uh, native programming language and was able to make a iPhone game. And that gave me the confidence to go to, to, yeah, I guess have the confidence to walk up to companies and say, yeah, I know how to build, you know, software products. I understand how, it, how, how it goes from idea all the way to out the door. Uh, which is for me, I'm not, I'm not a naturally gifted software engineer. I'm pretty, I would say I'm on the other spectrum. I'm, I'm naturally bad at it. Um, in terms of just un, uh, uh, being able to, to build products, uh, as an, as an engineer, uh, I would say I'm much more, uh, much more talented on the design and product strategy side. Um, but I think that exercise of me pursuing something that I was knew I needed to do or thought I needed to do in order to get into tech um, was so positive for me. Cause now as a product manager who, you know, I don't directly write code. I don't directly even do designs. Sometimes I do, but rarely, um, but I work with engineers very closely, right? Like I can very, I can empathize with them on why certain things are hard, um, where certain areas we should stay away from, where certain areas are actually easier. Um, and we, we can have confidence going. And if you don't have that especially if you're a software product manager and you don't have that kind of sense, um, 
it's hard to relate with and and work with and earn the trust of engineers who do that, who do that on a daily basis and who are built to do that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So I would say, I would say to... you find, find ways to, um, find ways to learn and don't rely on, don't like you, you'll learn things at Cal Poly, you'll learn things in college, but uh, don't bank on that as, as the end all be all. Mm-hmm. And then as far as you kind of taking on this learning of coding and all, you went through a boot camp rather than just maybe like teaching yourself on Code Academy or something. How how was that having that structure? How beneficial was that rather than kind of just because I mean I've tried a few yeah. times. You start, you do a yeah. couple, you're like okay, maybe not. But having that structured boot camp, what was that like for you? Yeah, that's a, I mean that's a great question. It's that's another thing is I would I would encourage uh, really understand yourself right? Like understand yourself deeply. Many, many people can, or some few people can just sit there, take a class on Udemy, wherever they could just hunker down, go do a bunch of, go do a bunch of Google. I mean, like you always have to Google search, but like they can kind of just do it on their own self-directed and um, certain things I've been able to do that. Um, but yeah, with programming, I tried that route. I tried Udemy and, and, and all these other things. And I quickly realized, okay, I don't have the, I don't have the level of like accountability. I don't have the level of help that I need to kind of get through these barriers. And I kept getting stuck. And so I was just like, okay, I need to go to a, I need to go to somewhere where there's a little bit more structure. Like that's the nice part about, about college and in-person is like, you have that accountability, you have that structure. Um, you're kind of, you're, you're in some ways forced to learn, you know, but when you're doing a, a coding, a coding course online, you don't have that professor saying, oh, you, you have this due or, oh, you have this midterm. So you have kind of these blocks in the road where you need to stop and, and focus or have a big push of work. And that's where you kind of get better is that urgency of, you know, oh, shoot, I have a midterm tomorrow. Oh, shoot, I have a project tomorrow. And, uh, you know, you have that where you have groups of people where they're expecting things from you. So for me, learning in that boot camp environment pushed me over that hump. I wouldn't have been able to make an app unless I went to this boot camp and mm-hmm. was doing was programming for ten hours a day for for four, for four months. Um, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So now you had this programming background, and then you walk back into the career fair, all ready to go. What what was this kind of new sense of direction now? Yeah, I think it was just confidence. Like before I, the, the year before I, I didn't really knew, know, you know, what I could do, what value I could contribute. I knew I could be some kind of, do some kind of marketing. I knew I could do some kind of uh, something like that. But now I was confident I could do the thing that I wanted to do. Although I was kind of sad. I was like, okay, I don't really enjoy software engineering, but I guess that's the thing that I have to do. And I'm, you know, I'm okay at it. So maybe I can get an internship here. Um, but then I talked to uh I I went up to the Workday booth. Workday is an enterprise software company. If you go to Cal Poly, they're, I think they're almost always there at the career fair. Great company. Um, uh, I walked up to the booth and and started talking to the guy. What are you interested in? Kind of started talking about software engineering. And, uh, you know, he, he told me he was a product manager and that he, you know, didn't, didn't, write, didn't write code. He wasn't an engineer. He didn't design. Uh, he wasn't a quote unquote business person, but he kind of sat in between all of those things three things and there's even more disciplines that you sit in between and that you kind of uh you you get to um you get to figure out what to build and you get to work with people to make sure that it's it's built in a way that accomplishes all the business goals and is is feasible to build and it's kind of this this constantly moving puzzle um and it just like when he described it to me i kind of was immediately had a sense of oh that's that's the thing i need to do for sure no doubt 
is like ever from that conversation, I hadn't heard of the job before, but after that conversation, I just knew I was like, that's my, that's what I'm going to do. And I think a lot of people have that reaction with the product. I would say it's one of the most popular jobs in technology. Um, like a lot of software engineers want to switch over into product. A lot of designers want to become product managers. Uh, a lot of people in customer success every, everywhere in the business. Like a lot of people want to become, not that it's the perfect job that has a lot of downsides, but I think it's a great job. And so a lot of people have that reaction is, is like, oh, wow, you get to think about strategy, you get to think about technology, you get to think about all aspects of the business. Um, and yeah, yeah and so be I be able I, to yeah. work with a whole variety of people. Exactly, exactly. And I like I think that's a fantastic skill where it's you have to be able to sit in a room with designers and not sound like an idiot. You got to sit in a room with engineers and not sound like an idiot. That's hard. You got to be able to sit in a room with VPs and C-level people and not sound like an idiot. Um, and, and, the, and everyone has different opinions on certain things and everyone has their own level of expertise, but you're accountable to get the thing through. And so it's really the ultimate test of your ability to communicate, your ability to um, get people to buy into your ideas, to listen, so on and so forth. It's the ultimate. Um, I think it's, 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 such a, it's such a fantastic job, especially for people who are entrepreneurial, especially for people who love building things, who love communicating with other people. It's, it's, it's like, I still feel like that today. It's like, it's crazy. I get to do product management. I, I feel like I was built to do it. Um, and so, yeah, I did an internship at Workday. I was very, very, very bad. Um, I like, I, I just didn't know what to do. I thought products were built faster. I was like butting, butting heads with people. I didn't know how to be like a polite intern. I've always been very kind of sharp elbowed. And, but I think over time, I, I did an internship there. I did an internship, at a couple other companies, mind body is a comp company in slow. I did one there and uh, did one at Udacity it was an education company in, in uh, Mountain View up here. And just, you know, got to cut my teeth and got to learn. And uh, I think I was, I didn't know how bad I was, but that kind of was to my, to my advantage. Cause I could kind of confidently walk into any room. And although I wasn't good, I was learning really quickly and I wasn't afraid to ask questions. I wasn't afraid to say what I thought. And of course people are like, who, you know, who's this kid, who's this intern. But over time I was able to look at, okay, who are the people at these companies? What are the, what are the people who make, who have really bad habits? Okay. Don't do that. Uh, who are the people that have really fantastic habits? Okay. Wow. Like go talk to that person, go have a one-on-one -on -one with that person, go have coffee with like develop a personal relationship. So they'll invest in you. Um, and there's so many great people that are so willing to invest in you and, and mentor in you. And that's really how I like learned and leveled up was just through these tight relationships with a few really talented people rather than kind of generically networking like a robot. I think that served me well as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's incredible. And how was it kind of navigating between different companies and kind of seeing these different types of products and all? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I bounced between Workday, which is 10,000 person enterprise stock, uh, enterprise company. So very much not a startup. And then, uh, you know, I also worked at uh, Udacity, which had around 300 people at tech startup. And then I also, even when I was at Cal Poly, I worked on my own startup with my friend, uh, Brett Foreman, who was on, who was on the podcast in an earlier episode, one of my best friends. Um, and so you just get to see the downsides and upsides of these different, these different companies. And obviously there's microcosms inside of companies, right? Like your experience at Workday on one team may be very experienced, different from an experience of someone else on another part of the company. So I think a lot of times people completely write off a certain company because they hear one bad thing, but there's micro cultures within companies. Um, and that's something to keep keep in mind. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely dynamics that come with being at a big company. Things tend to move slower. Not true of all companies, 
but things tend to move slower, but you have stability. You have a good paycheck. Uh, if they're big, the, the, the stocks you get are probably pretty valuable. Um, but the upside is maybe limited as well, right? It's like you, your, your risk is lower, but your upside is also limited. But then if you go to a smaller company, um, you know, it's less, it's, it can be much less stable, right? Like, uh, there can be layoffs there. I I saw that there can be all these sorts of things, but the upside is much higher. Right. Mm -hmm. And you get to, you get to build a lot more, you get to cover a lot more service area and you're, you're asked to do more because there's less of you. Um, so I personally, I, I really enjoy kind of the smaller side. Um, I like the upside. I like the little bit of the risk and I like being able to own more service area. Mm-hmm. Um, and be kind of consequential to the to the product. I think a, another downside of being at a big company is, to some degree, the party's over, right? Like like Facebook has already won, Google has already won, Amazon has already won. It's over. They're trillion dollar companies, right? Like party, they went public. The party's over. Like you can you can five x your money, or you know your stock options can five x over the next five you know couple years, but they're not gonna hundred two hundred x, right? Whereas if you're at a startup company, you have the you have the potential to two hundred five hundred one thousand x. Uh, mm-hmm. your your stock so i i well, that that side's more appealing to me obviously it could go zero as well which yeah. is the highest probability option but okay. the up, potential good. upside is exciting to me yeah yeah and not just with startup companies but you kind of have some of these startup skills um you do a podcast brand new that's awesome and also dabbling in some music tell me a little bit about those two things for sure yeah so i think you know i've always enjoyed listening to podcasts, I've always enjoyed music. Music was my first kind of endeavor as a creator. And I think last, late last year in November, I was listening to this podcast. I, I, told, I think I told you about it, uh, Davey, the, this podcast called Dissect. And uh, it inspired me. It, it's basically a podcast about different musicians. And each season is an, is an album. One season is about Blonde, Frank Ocean. Another season is about uh, Tyler, the Creator. Another season is about Kanye, some of my favorite artists. And it just, it talked about their journey and inspired me to make art. It inspired me to like, oh, these guys didn't, didn't have it all made out. They didn't, they didn't have perfect uh, childhoods. They didn't have perfect resources, anything like that, but they just kind of made art by force of will. And so that inspired me to start making music. And I set a goal for myself. I was like, I always wanted to make music. So I'm going to make one song every two weeks until I make 10 songs. And uh, I, I told that to everyone in my office um, and at the company I was working at. And they were, they were all about it. And that gave me the accountability to, cause they were always asking me, okay, when's the next song? When's the next song? And so I started, you know, on Saturdays, just spending the whole day making music. And it's been, it's, it's such an awesome thing. It's so hard. It's so scary. As you know, like listening to your voice back in any medium is, is horrifying. Takes a while. Um, takes a while. Uh, but it's, it's such, it, it's been so awesome. And I mean, my, my music is objectively horrible but it's so fun to make. Uh, and I think just thinking of myself now as a creator versus a consumer. And I, this, of course I still do consume and I still do enjoy that, but having the ability to create. And then also I think like having, like we all set goals for ourselves sometimes that we don't hit, right? We all have things we want to do. We want to learn how to code. We want to make a YouTube channel. We want to blah, blah, blah. We're all ambitious. I think most of us are ambitious people, right? But um, <clears throat> it's so important to like do less things and set goals for those things and be able to trust yourself that you're going to hit those goals and make those goals achievable at first. And just the important part is consistency and momentum rather than trying to hit some audacious goal that is going to scare you off from starting in the first place. It's like baby steps. You know, it's like in the beginning, I was like, okay, look, your song is going to be objectively bad, but whatever you can do in two weeks, it's going to go out and people in your office are going to listen to it. 
Um, and so that gave me the like accountability. It gave me the structure that kind of is college. I, I gave that to myself um, and it's possible. And then now I kind of, every time I commit to something, like I more recently decided, okay, I'm gonna make 10 podcast episodes um, that I can do that. And so, yeah, I've enjoyed it. I think music is really enjoy music. Music is like something I want to do long-term podcasting. I also really enjoy uh, podcasting is just so much fun. You know, you just get to have conversations with people and it's, it's relaxed. It's a good excuse to talk to people who are interesting and you otherwise may not be able to talk to. Like I got to reach out to you. I found your podcast and it's like, wow, this guy's a go-getter. I want to, I want to, I want to talk to him. So yeah, and you have so much great wisdom and advice to share. So everyone definitely go check that out. Jimmy meets the world. Uh-huh. We'll sure. have kind of all that linked, some of your music linked and your contact info if people want to reach out. Now, if there's some one thing that you want to tell Cal Poly students, especially kind of in this day and age, whether it be kind of starting and developing some of those skills, even if it's maybe not your passion at the moment, but it can set you up and give you the confidence to walk into a career fair and get that next internship. Or if it's some skills, something that to create art where you can just see that progress and that consistency and stay accountable, what is that one thing that you want to let everyone know about? Yeah, I would say find people who you really, really admire. We've all bumped shoulders with them. Someone who's doing something that you're like, wow, this is this is amazing. This is something I want to do. This person has characteristics that I don't have, but I'm really drawn to. And I think they're very powerful. Um, if you don't know who that person is, talk to other people because they know who, who a person is. But you have to kind of naturally have that uh, um I guess, I guess attraction or that, that hunger of like, okay, I want to be like that person. Um, and that's specific to whoever you are. So find people like that and then reach out to them and you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. People will get back to you. People will want to help. I think people are, uh, most people are, are wanting, are really helpful and want to help and care about, uh, you know, students being able to have exposure to opportunities and understand what's out there. Um, so like, I mean, that's whether, if you don't know what you want, um, if you don't know what you want, like go talk to someone who's like really passionate about something. And maybe that sets you on a course, just finding something you're passionate about. If you really want to be a product manager, go reach out to a product manager who's working at a, at your dream company, right. And talk to them. What did it, what did it take to go work at Spotify? What did it take to go work at Netflix? And you'll be surprised. People will want to help you. And, uh, it's such a good way. Like, don't, I don't go into it wanting something. Don't go into it wanting, a referral to an internship, to a job, this or that, just go into it wanting to learn. And that will be much more valuable to you than, than the job. If you go into it with genuine motives and, um, that that's a great way to learn. Uh, I yeah. think so. I would say try and do that as much as possible. Those people are out there and they're, they're wanting to help. Well, this has been great. And that's great words to leave it on. And that's kind of all we have time for, but thank you so much for sharing all this. We'll definitely put all those links to all your stuff in the episode description and thank you again for joining me here on polycast thank you so much for listening this show is made possible by the polycast team including myself davy kozik along with sienna addison and torstein wren be sure to give it a thumbs up or five stars wherever you're listening from and we'll see you next time here on polycast mm-hmm.